This is uh, chapter 46 from verse 28 through to chapter 47, verse 12. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and he wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now I'm ready to die since I've seen for myself that you're still alive. When Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household, who were living in the land of Canaan, have come to me. The men are shepherds, they tend livestock, and they brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, What is your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers, with their flocks and herds and everything they own, have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, We've come to live here for a while, because the famine is severe in Canaan and my servants' flocks and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen, and if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are a 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father's. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramesses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. Well, if you have your Bibles, keep them open. We're going to be uh, diving into that passage. Uh, there's some passages that you get as a preacher which uh, you read kind of over for the first time and you kind of think to yourself, what am I going to talk about here? And then a little bit like an investigation into FIFA, you dig under the surface and you realise there's actually so much here uh, to talk about. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. You were the word at the beginning. You spoke and and all creation came into being. And we pray that you might speak again to us this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that as we open up your word, that you might reveal yourself to us. 
and you might reveal to us how it is we might walk and live and pilgrim in this world, making much of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we have uh, just uh, come from a time uh, where Joseph has uh, sent his brothers back to retrieve his father. And so Jacob and his sons and their whole family, their wives, their children, have uh, gone on uh, what is uh, possibly the longest kind of family uh, trip together. I don't know what your family trips are like, but imagine 70 of you squished in a caravan together. No, that's your children. No, that's my children. No, like, and they make the journey together to Gosham and Joseph in a prodigal father-like way, travels out to meet them because he can't wait to see his father. And they embrace, and there are many tears. It says that they weep without ceasing for a long time. And finally, when enough tears have been shed, Joseph says, I'm going to go and I'll speak to Pharaoh on your behalf, and I will tell him that you've arrived with all your possessions, all your belongings, all your livestock. And when Pharaoh calls you in, we heard in our passage, verse 33, he will ask you, what is your occupation? And Joseph says to his brothers, you should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Now, the reason why Joseph says, tell them that you're shepherds and make really clear that you're shepherds is because Egyptians detest shepherds. And so at first it kind of seems like a stitch up. It seems like, Joseph, you're kind of setting them up to fail, right? Go to the most prominent and powerful Egyptian there is and you tell him he hates shepherds. Make really clear just that you guys are the biggest shepherds and have a long history of shepherding. But why he does it is so important. He does it because Joseph from the very start wants to create separation between Pharaoh and his brothers and family. He wants to create separation between them. It's a little bit like um, if you tell someone, hey, you're going to meet the president. And when you are shaking the president's hand, I want you to, to thank him for all that he does and just make sure to mention that like ugly boil that you have on the back of your hamstring, you know, just... You know what that's going to do? The president's going to shake your hand and thanks so much and then kind of just move on very quickly. And Joseph wants to create separation because he knows his brothers and their wives and their children have just uprooted everything. They've taken literally all they have with them leaving the land God has promised them and gone into a foreign land and he knows that there is a very real danger that as they change into a new land and as they change into a new culture that they will get swallowed up by that culture. Right? How many times 
Have I seen uh, people finish year 12, move to a new place for university and get swallowed up by that new world? How many times have I seen kids on fire for Jesus, charging hard, move to a different school and suddenly in this different school context, just step by step they lose their faith? And Joseph wants to create separation so that they don't lose their distinctiveness. He know he doesn't want them to just become Egyptians. He knows that they are in danger. Like this has already happened. Judah, when he was in Cana, right, took Canaanite wives, children. He started to become like those in Cana. And Joseph does not want them to to live in metropolitan Egypt and to start drinking Egyptian wine in Egyptian taverns and to start spending money and to start eating food and to start having sex like the Egyptians. Eat foods, drink wine, have money, sleep around. He doesn't want them to follow and after the Egyptian gods. You see... The big problem in this whole book is is never really that people forget about God, but rather they just add other gods. That through the whole Old Testament, the big danger is not that they just outright reject God, the big danger is that they just, God becomes one of many. He's kind of like an option on the buffet. And that is our danger too, isn't it? We live in an Egypt. We live in in a world and yet we're not of the world. And there is a very real, very real danger that we will just become like the world. that we will feel the pressure just to compromise a, a little bit at first, not to be different, not to be distinct, not to stand out. There's a Chinese proverb that goes along the lines of the nail that stands out is the first hit by the hammer. And we can feel that a little bit as Christians, can't we? And so we choose to just become like those around us, like chameleons in the worst of ways. Or as Jesus would say, we, that we become like salt that loses its saltiness. I am... Um, about six years after finishing school, I uh, decided to, um, I ran into one of my uh, mates from school, hadn't really chatted to people from school for a long time, and uh, he said, oh, come along on the weekend. Some of the boys, they're playing rugby on Saturday, and I I loved rugby when I was at school, and so I was like, yeah, awesome, I'll come along. And I remember sitting there, and for the first kind of five minutes, I was just like, all right, I'm signing up next year. Like I was, I was in. I had missed this, and so the next year I signed up. And it was, I was really kind of like, I want to go back 
to footy with all these mates that I went to school with and play old boys rugby, but, but I want to go back being really intentional. I want to go back as a Christian now and, and kind of be praying for these guys and be different and, and I want to kind of make the most of opportunities and I want to kind of witness out to them and I want to, sh- I want them to be able to see that Christianity is actually different to maybe what they think it is. And so I would have this ritual where as I, on a Thursday night, drove to footy training, I had this ritual where I would just pray for the guys. And so as I was driving, you know, through Sydney, so you kind of, a kilometre takes about half an hour, and you're stuck in traffic, and uh, I'm trying to divert my frustration by praying um, for the footy guys. And so I'm praying for them, God, give me opportunities. Soften Alex's heart. You know, help Andy just to see who you are. And that conversation we had last week at the pub afterwards, after the Lord just Help that to spark up again. You know, give me courage, give me words. And I remember one night, one training, um, I just pulled up and I was putting my footy boots on in the car and I was, I was looking at, um, training. It's just started and I was just praying and I said, God, just, just help me to be one of the guys. Just help me to fit in. And, and it was almost just like in this moment that God just went, What if, what if I don't want you to be just one of the guys? What if I don't want you to just be one of the boys? And what if I, my plan for, to, to bring about my work here is actually for you not to fit in, to be different. And yet this part of my heart, and when we pray so often our hearts are revealed, right, just subconsciously just went, just help me to fit in, just help me to be one of the guys. How different are you from your mates at work? Do the guys in your office space, do the women that you work with see something different about you? Do the mums in your mums group see the way that you speak about your husband in a way that's different from how the others in that group maybe speak about their husbands? Do they see how you forgive in a way that's just perplexing to them and so foreign to how maybe others in our world forgive? How different are you from the others in your uni groups, at your school? How distinct are you in your drama clubs or your footy clubs? And so Joseph, as his family have uprooted everything and moved to a a new society and a new culture, he wants to make really clear that there is separation between Egyptians and, and his family. He wants to make, give space for, so that they can be distinct. And so what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh kind of goes above and beyond and Pharaoh gives them their own land and he says, alright, we have this land of Goshen up kind of in North Egypt 
where we haven't really kind of established or settled. It's it's actually super fruitful, but it's great for shepherding, not so much for agricultural stuff, which we love. And so God's people get some of the most fruitful land in all of Egypt. They're under the protection of Egypt, and yet they're separate from metropolitan Egypt. They're given their own kind of space where they can tell their own stories, where they can sit around the fire and they can share stories about Abraham, about Isaac, about Jacob, about the one who who made the stars and yet has revealed himself to our father or our grandfather and he spoke in the dream and they wrestled and they fought and he said, I will not let go until you bless me. And they can share these stories and be shaped and formed by each other. That's what we do here on a Sunday morning. This is why church is so important, right? This is why small groups are so important. Because if you don't do this, it will be done to you by the world. You are shaped and formed by the stories that people are telling around you. And so where are you placing yourself? They are given this great land under the protection of Egypt and yet separate from Egypt where they might be distinct, where they might remember and speak of and tell of their great God. And after after Pharaoh gives them the land, he invites Jacob the great patriarch of Joseph, into his meeting chamber. And these two powerhouses meet, and in verse 7 it says, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. And after Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult. And they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. On Friday, I won't say who, but one of the teenagers at youth group guessed that I was 45 years old. Not the best thing I've heard. (laughs) Not the worst thing I've heard, if I'm honest. How old are you? And in one of the most downplayed statements, Jacob says, My years are few, 130. But what is more striking is not his view of 130 years, but his view of himself and his life. You see, how does Jacob identify himself? He says that he is a pilgrim. 
The years of my pilgrimage are 130. See, he's not talking about travelling from Cana to Egypt. He's talking about his life. His whole life is one of just a traveller. Someone who is simply passing through. A tourist, if you will. The years of my pilgrimage are 130. You see... Jacob has firmly in his mind that he is someone who is just passing through, that this isn't his home. Hebrews 11 says this. If we can throw it up on the screen, that'd be great. Hebrews 11 says this. By faith, he, that's Abraham, made his home in the promised land. How did he make his home? Like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Why? Why did they live in tents? Why were they like strangers in a foreign country? For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That Jacob in his mind is, I'm just a pilgrim, here one moment, gone the next, someone who's passing through, I'm not even building walls, right? That this is just a tent because I'm here for a short time. If that short time is 130 years, that's a short time. Because I am awaiting a city to come. One that God himself will design and build and set up. And I am waiting for that. That's my home. That's when I'll stop being a pilgrim. When I get there. Twenty years ago... Twenty years ago, Francis Chan used an illustration, and I I couldn't think of a better one. Uh, he used this illustration of a rope, so I'll grab it. Twenty years ago, imagine he said, imagine if this rope is kind of an illustration of your life. And imagine, if you will, that this rope just keeps going, like kind of passed out out the parking lot, across the road, down through the water, right? Just keeps going. Through the bush, just around the whole world, and kind of comes back here and then just keeps going, right? So it goes on and on and on. He said, imagine that this red part here, that this red part just represents your life here on this earth. And he said, so many people spend so much time worrying about just like this little part here. But if I, if I spend this here, or if I do this here, or if I sacrifice here, or if this happens, then this is going to make this time here really hard. And so, what about this? 
What about this whole time? You realize we only get this one tiny part and everything we do here, what you invest here, the way that you spend your time here is going to affect this whole thing. That we are just pilgrims here one moment, gone the next. And so how are we living in such a way that reflects to those who think that this is all there is? That for many of our friends, our neighbours, our family, those in our sporting clubs, drama clubs, universities, workplaces, this is all they think there is. How might you live a different life in such a way that causes them to go, what is going on? What is going on? Because it seems mad that you would do this here unless you were convinced about this. Pilgrims passing through that your house for all its walls is not your home. It's just a tent. Here one moment, gone the next. We are made, you are made for a different place. That this life is not your home. One of my favourite books um, is Lord of the Rings, or trilogy, I guess you could say, is Lord of the Rings. And it's the story of kind of uh, a group of hobbits who are kind of small, average, pedestrian kind of people, right? The, the emphasis is on their ordinariness. And these ordinary average Joes uh, go on this adventure where they experience and ally themselves with these creatures from another land. These angelic-like beings from a paradise beyond the sea. And as they go on these adventures and fight these battles and, and have these kind of victories... They then save their homeland and, and they go back home and here's what they realise. They realise that their adventure and their experiences with these creatures from beyond the sea have actually changed them. They realise that they're not the same anymore. That allying themselves with these from another world has caused them to laugh louder, to cry deeper, to care more. And so that they become these leaders in in their kind of homeland that they've kind of protected. And they love their homeland and they would die for it, for it. But they also find themselves not really belonging anymore in the Shire that they're kind of strangers in this place, that they don't fit in anymore. And they find themselves drawn to the ocean front. And again and again, they're drawn to the water's edge and they sit there and look across the water. And they sing to themselves this song. They sing, We still remember, We who dwell, in this far land beneath the trees. 
the starlight on the western seas. We still remember, we who dwell in this far land beneath the trees, the starlight on the western seas. You see, they long for and they live for their true land that is across the western sea. And that is us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you might give us this pilgrim mindset. We pray that you might work in us um, in such a way, place in us like a, like a pebble in our shoe, uh, the vividness and reality that this world is not our home. May we live our lives, spend our time, spend our money, long for things that, that will affect eternity for the land beyond the sea. And we pray this for the goodness and the glory of Jesus. Amen.